Hello all you live resin revelers, connoisseurs of fine craft flower and dabbling dabbers. Welcome to the National Cannabis Network, your voice for everything marijuana. On today's show, I'll be talking with Executive Director and CEO of Leaf Medic, Karen Korn, about their state-approved certification program to help you land a dispensary job. Now's the time to get your foot in the door to Ohio's emerging cannabis industry, and Leaf Medic takes the guesswork out of where to start. Grab your favorite pen, sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. So I'm here with Karen Korn. How are you, Karen? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you so much for having me up to your house today to talk about cannabis. I love to talk about cannabis. <laughs> Can you tell us how you first got interested in cannabis as medicine? Well, when I was growing up, I was not the typical pot smoker kid who loves weed. The first time I used it was in high school and it made me paranoid and I was like, oh, I'm not really excited about that. And so it was never my thing. Um, but in my late 30s, I started to have pain all over my body. Didn't really understand what was going on at the time and started to see a bunch of different doctors about it, but I'm very sensitive to medications. So I didn't really like many of the things that were being offered to me. And my partner at the time had been a longtime cannabis user for his own pain. He had chronic back pain from an injury he sustained when he was 19. So he began pretty early in life. Um, and he had a way of using it that it didn't inhibit anything else he was doing. And so, you know, it looked attractive to me. It did not look like the feeling I had when I was in high school. So um, I started secretly using it, not out in the open. Um, probably it was around 2011 is when I first started. Um, and it became transformative for me as my, my disease um, is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And I did not know that I had that at the time. So I have a grandmother that had been a professional ballerina and she had a polymyalgia rheumatica as her diagnosis in, back in the 80s. Um, and so long story short, when I got that diagnosis, I, I also had a fibromyalgia diagnosis. I was like, okay, so this is not just some weird random pain thing. This is something that's going to be with me forever. So whatever medication choice I make, it has to be something that I don't mind doing for the rest of my life. Um, and this is pre all of the opioid crisis, although I was aware of the fact that opioids were addictive and was not something that I was interested in getting myself kind of caught up in that loop. I had already seen people have problems with that. Not to the extent that we're seeing today, but you know, I was aware that that was an issue, so. Understood, yeah, and going back to the, you know, that paranoia feeling, <laughs> who hasn't experienced that? Because in high school, what do we do? We, you know, our, our friends are telling us, oh no, you gotta help me finish this joint, or you, mm -hmm. you know, we have to smoke more, we have to get rid of it. And so what, what ends up happening is it's not medicinal at all. It turns into a, an, an overdose of recreational marijuana at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have no chance to select the type of product that you're consuming. So you don't know um, what kinds of terpene profiles are present, anything like that. I mean, you know, that's very sophisticated today. But when you think about it, when people would say, hey, I have this great you know, I have this great bud and it's a strain that makes you feel blah, blah, blah. What they're talking about is that terpene profile. So you could be using a terpene profile that's not well suited for you. You just take what you can get when you're a kid and you try things. Plus, as you said, the environment in which you're doing it, you're scared. Your, your adrenaline is already pumping because you're like, this is illegal. Which, I mean, today still people feel that way. But, um, but yeah, I think that definitely contributes to that experience. Um, but see, I think that that's actually part of the reason why I was passionate about starting Leaf Medic. And I can tell you that whole story of how that started in a minute. But um, when 
when I wanted to start Leaf Medic, my thought was, well, there's a lot of people out there who will want to use this because of the same reasons I did, because of pain, knowing they have to take something a long time, but um, that they will be um, p perhaps encounter that experience, even if they're guided. And I had a lot of empathy for them because I was like, I remember feeling embarrassed that I didn't like marijuana when I was young because everybody else thought it was great. And I was like, I don't like it. And now I'm a champion of it. And that means that someone was patient with me, my partner, in helping me kind of like microdose and learn how to build up my tolerance so that I didn't have that experience and to find ways of using it or types of products that did not provoke that. Do you understand? I do. Yeah. I do. And it's almost sort of bittersweet when we talk about tolerance, because when we talk about tolerance, it's a good thing mm -hmm. with cannabis. Yeah. And when we don't build a tolerance, I feel like that's when we have those negative experiences. I agree with you 100%. And someone who starts Prozac, you know, a, a doctor mm -hmm. will tell their patient, hey, expect to feel a little off for the next couple of weeks. Right. But as you progress forward with this therapeutic medicine, it will get better. And I try to tell that to people as well, yeah, is that, yeah. yes, you might feel that typical high feeling at first, but with time, you're going to notice that those, that, that, that the psychotropic effects kind of diminish, but you still get all the therapeutic benefits. 100%. In fact, um, if I wanted to use cannabis recreationally now, it would take a tremendous effort on my part, and I'd probably have to consume a lot because I have built up my tolerance intentionally so that I was able to take enough to deal with the pain without becoming high in a, in a daily capacity, meaning I could do my job because I'm a professor. I can't be like, whoa, you know, not able to finish my sentences or forget what I was talking about, which happens to you anyway when you're 49, right? So sometimes I have to forgive myself for a little bit of that. But like, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is tolerance is, is, it's interesting that you brought that up because in that, in that way, because it really actually is your friend. Unfortunately, when medicine's expensive, it's sort of not your friend because Prozac's sort of price controlled. So if you need a high dose of Prozac, it doesn't really cost you too much more for whatever, 200 milligrams versus 50. But like with cannabis, the way the market is, it's a lot more money to get the cannabinoids to the level that you would need if you're intentionally building your tolerance. So Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what type of products offer you the best relief? So I am a big fan because of the kind of pain that I have um, in sort of layering the ways that I put cannabis into my body. The more that I've learned about the human endocannabinoid system and then, you know, how cannabis works with that. Um, I realized that there, there's spots for it all over. So um, I have a routine that I do kind of almost religiously in terms of the way that I put it into my body. Uh, when I get up in the morning, in my morning coffee, I put some tincture into the coffee and I also take some RSO of CBD. So the tincture has THC in it and then I take some CBD RSO. Um, and as well as some mushroom tinctures and some other things that I take for my pain issues. So it's like it goes all together with other other products. I do own a volcano and a pack. So, I mean, I have devices that are appropriate. I will usually in the morning vape because honestly, when you smoke in the morning, sometimes you have like mucus from sleeping all night. So it's, you know, vaporizing is actually a really good thing to do in the morning. It's not as uh, triggering to people who have allergies. Um, and then... Throughout the day, sometimes I will vape again, but most of the time that tincture holds me for about six hours with the vaporizing. Oh, also, um, I put a balm that has cannabinoids in it, both THC and CBD, like an isolate added into the balm. 
and I rub it all over the parts of my body that hurt many times throughout the day. Like if it hurts, I'll go put some on. Um, and then I kind of re-up this whole thing late afternoon, early evening, and then before bed. And sometimes at bed I'll take a double dose of the tincture so that I can sleep really well because my pain will sometimes disrupt my sleep. So I'll, I'll do it that way. So I, I always encourage patients if they think they don't like smoking weed, which of course Ohio says you're not supposed to in the medical program anyway. Like that's clearly not even remotely the only way you can take it. Um, but one thing I will say is that if I were going to be starting as a user again soon, I would not start with edibles. Um, because most of the times when I first encountered those, while I, they were very powerful and effective if I wanted to sleep or if I wanted to remove pain, I had no control over my experience of those. So those are things that I only tend to choose to do overnight. Um, so in the evening, I will sometimes, if I have like gummies or a, a, like a dessert product that you know is infused that I've purchased, um, use it at night for the most part because it is unpredictable when it's going to show up uh, during the day and you know you can take it and you think oh I'm fine and then you know an hour later you're like dumb and not making sense because it's affecting you so so I, I don't know you know that's kind of my basic rule of thumb of the way that it, it goes into my body throughout the day and how I, I use it to manage my pain. I couldn't agree more about the edible effect and you know when I'm talking to people I let people know look if if you're operating heavy machinery if you are requiring balance if mm -hmm. if you need to be fully alert and oriented don't do edibles during the day right. because it can really take a toll and uh, i'm the same way you know with edibles it's it, it is kind of like a once a month thing for me mm -hmm. uh, i have found that when i take edibles on a daily basis uh, I get that greened out feeling. Yes. And I lose the entourage effect when I vape my flower. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, I don't want to feel that that way. Right. You know, going back to the tolerance, I don't want to be so tolerant right. that I can't feel my medicine anymore. Uh, and I agree with you 100%. And I think that everybody's experience is unique. And it's so fun to talk to people who have been using for a while and have experimented with this and kind of taken note of it. And then it makes me excited to see other people do that because you think, oh, you really can learn so much about your own body as well as the the cannabinoid and that greened out feeling is a really interesting comment um because i think that a lot of times people can say you can't have too many cannabinoids you know added in and you really can't because i mean ultimately you can't overdose on them but it really is kind of the timing and the type uh that that impact the way that you have your experience so i know i i, I agree with you about the like one time a month thing or if you have you know, you're ill and you're in pain or something. So then you use them because you just really want something to knock you out. One of the reasons why cannabis medicine, I think, frustrates a lot of clinicians is that it isn't, and really I think we're learning this about a lot of medicine, right? Because if you look at cancer, it's the same way these days. But um, there isn't like a one size fits all, like you can't, somebody can't come in and tell them, they say what their problem is and you say, eat this, vape this, put this balm on and, you know, take this tincture. Because that person's cannabinoid system like everybody has the same, you know, point. It's not like we're missing them, but they're not impacted the same way But for everybody. And so I think, uh, as you were saying about, you know, knowing that you need to sort of protect yourself by um, not always using it. It's, 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 it's cool that you figured that out. I, I have been working to figure that out for myself. It's interesting too, um, my husband and his brother, both anything that goes in their mouth, either a tincture or an edible, the amount, the strength that they need to feel anything is amazing. Less the tincture under their tongue than if it goes through their 
liver and is processed. So I think that when I watch them and their tolerance for edibles versus most normal people, I also think that isn't just that they've built their tolerance. I think some people's metabolism is such that it can just plow through it in a way that other people, they're so sensitive to it. And doctors don't know that. You don't know when you come in. There's no test that says that. So then it would be very frustrating for me to try and treat a patient who is super hyper-reactive to this medication versus others. Back to the cancer analogy though, if you go, if you have cancer anymore and you go to a very sophisticated cancer treatment center, they will do DNA testing immediately and they will tailor the specific approach to treating that cancer along the lines of what your SNPs and your arrangement on your DNA are. I really believe long-term that'll be the future of cannabis medicine because I think that there's a similar kind of interesting reactivity for some people or sensitivity for some people to certain terpenes, profiles, you know, cannabinoids, etc. So I keep watching all the science that's out there. I saw that on Amazon. Somebody just launched the other day a saliva kit for CBD, THC, like what your ratios should be. I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah. I, I was like, oh, I, where's the science? I want to see what they're doing. Like, where'd they come up with this from? You know, I want to go learn more about it. So Israel, I like probably. It. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a U.S. product, but I was thinking it probably had to be Israel because they're, they're so ahead of the curve on all of that stuff. Yeah, but. I would love to shadow Dr. McCollum for oh, yeah. a day or two Imagine. just to see what he does on a daily basis. Yeah. Back to the clinicians thing, I really wish that medical schools would teach this because I think that... There, people are afraid of parts of this that you can intervene and mediate. Meaning when you flood your, your synapses or your, not synapses, your receptors with uh, the CBD, it makes it so even though you're getting all the pain benefit of the THC, you don't really feel as high. You know, at least that's been my experience. Now, I will say, I do think that it makes me tired sometimes. And so I sometimes onboard caffeine with that, which I know some people are really caffeine sensitive, so they wouldn't want to do that. But... It helps me to balance everything out and not feel too tired if I'm trying to stay motivated. But um, but yeah, it's all it's really interesting um, the ways that you can use and sort of play around with products to get the effects that you want. I have found out that for people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, we have a, like a hyperreactive adrenaline trigger anyway. So our adrenaline sometimes will make us feel like we're anxious. Even if we're not anxious, we have this like adrenaline that goes when it's not needed. Meaning I'm not in danger, but my my body thinks I am. Do you so get what I'm trying to say? So producing some extra cortisol? Exactly, something along those lines. And it's just triggering that response when you're not even. And, and I think that what I've read is that it's somehow tied to the fact that what's wrong with you when you have Ehlers-Danlos is that um, your collagen is faulty. So all of your limbs are trying to jump off of your body all the time, so to speak. They're not... They're not naturally like staying where they are. So that creates a panic, I think, inside of your body a little bit. Like hold the arms in. I'm, I'm making this up. But so to the point that you were saying about that racing heart, I am sensitive. And I think it for me has to do with my adrenaline response, which for people with PTSD, you guys, somebody who has PTSD also has, I think, a heightened adrenaline response. I think that's part of the experience, right? It's sure. like absolutely you're, that you're, fight or flight. Yes, you know, that's that fight or flight exactly. constantly kind of pulling at both even if it doesn't make sense. So it's a similar kind of experience that you have when the fight or flight response happens before you've cognitively gone, that reminds me of the thing that is triggering. Do you know what I mean? Like sure. the back of your brain saw before your eyes really made sense of it or you sure. perceived it. And my body will do that without PTSD if you get what I'm saying. So, I, yeah. and I have that same tachycardia. It's like a heart racing experience. Sure. And um, But if you take that CBD when that's happening, it, because you get you know, some plant material that you didn't know there was a lot of pining in. 
um, that'll stop it for me. It can really slow it down. So Absolutely. Anybody that's kind of overdosed on an edible, that's my first recommendation. You take a high dose of CBD yeah. and you should be feeling better within an hour yeah, or absolutely. so. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Um, I know you're doing amazing things with Leaf Medic. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, uh, Leaf Medic was a passion project when we started it. Uh, I had lost my job as a provost at a graphic design college here in the Dayton area. And I actually lost my job because, speaking of pining, I showed up smelling like cannabis. And uh, my somebody reported that I smelled that way. And then <clears throat> my boss called me in and said, uh, you know, this has been reported. You have the weekend and we're going to think about it or investigate it. And then when I came back in on Monday, she just took up, you know, made me clean off the computer and take my personal items and go. And issued me a letter that said that I was dismissed because uh, it was reported that I was wearing a coat. Because she said, well, what smelled of cannabis? And I said, my coat. I think, you know, I didn't know why my coat smelled of cannabis. I wasn't. But the whole reason why I'm saying that is I look back, that was just 2017. That was even after the medical, you know, or ordinance. I mean, the law had been changed or had been passed here in Ohio. But it hadn't been rolled out yet. So, and it's at will employment in Ohio. So you don't really have any protections. But so when I left that job, I was sort of in shock at first. And then I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And my best friends and my husband and my, you know, our, our couple of best friends, um, we were all sitting around and we said, well, let's start a weed school. And we were, at first it was kind of a joke. We were like, what could we do? And we, we like had this like PM chat and Facebook where we were planning it all out. Um, and then we really did it. You know, we, we decided I had been teaching online for a number of years and I knew how to build curriculum and I had done that for the institution I had worked for previously. And I had already, um, gone through the process of having approval from the Ohio State Board of Career Colleges and Schools for the institution I worked for. So I knew how that worked and, um, went on to do that for Leaf Medic. And so Audra and I worked at starting, you know, designing the first curriculum, uh, that we put together and David helped us to manage all of the visuals and the IT and build the website and all of that. Uh, and then just recently we've uh, partnered with Kathleen Graham, who's cannabis nurse out of Michigan. Uh, she was ASA's Americans for Safe Access's um, clinician of the year or medical professional of the year in 2019. She's very dedicated to educating people about cannabis in Michigan. And so we met her through the Ohio Cannabis Chamber of Commerce. We, uh, Tim Johnson was up in Michigan for an event last year and said, I met this woman, I think you'd like her. So we really spent like, I don't know, eight or nine months getting to know each other and having lawyers look at documents, kind of fig figuring out how we wanted to construct our company because we wanted uh, everything to be, I, I feel really passionate about everybody having their own stake in the game and not, uh, not feeling like they are sort of subject to working for somebody else in a negative way. So we wanted to structure this whole thing so that we both felt like we, everybody felt like they were going to come out of it. Okay. Um, we did. So we've launched and we've gotten approval by the licensing and regulation administration, uh, Lara licensing and regulatory affairs in Michigan. Um, and so we're a proprietary educational institution there now too. And so we have a Michigan curriculum for provisioning centers. That's what they call their dispensaries. And we have, one for Ohio dispensaries. And we also have patient education um, that we've collaborated with Kathleen Graham and Cannabis Nurse in creating. And as well as, um, so we also are working on a curriculum for 
hemp and cannabis cultivation and then another one for hemp processing. Um, but all of that is still in, in the construction phase. It's not ready yet. One of the things we're hoping that we're going to be able to offer soon are continuing education credits for the Ohio dispensary personnel because the law in Ohio says that they need 16 hours of continuing education credit. And so we already have a number of modules created that we're you know, going to launch, but they haven't been around long enough to start working on that yet. Most of the dispensaries in Ohio. Um, so, you know, we love what we do at Leaf Medic. Um, I, I say all this with a little bit of hesitation and I speak about Michigan with great excitement because Ohio has been a little frustrating. It's been a slow rollout. And um, I'm excited that we have the program and I don't want to talk down about it. I, I just feel like it's it's been a, it's been a rough go. It's been hard starting a business because there's not enough. There's just not enough so far, Understood. Uh, you know, for it to be a, a viable operation here. Um, so it's great to have Michigan, which is so interesting. Ohio is like. This is my analogy I like to make of their two programs because I've really delved into the law and, I mean, just combed and picked apart both of their sets of regulations. And because when I built this curriculum, the curriculum, half of it is the endocannabinoid system and products and talking to patients, helping patients, understanding yourself, understanding the human body. But then the other half is what can you do? What can't you do? What are your inspections going to need? You know, what kind of licensing requirements? What do you do? Background checks, all that stuff. So that's sort of what our curriculum is all about. So when I'm digging into these laws, Ohio is like Aladdin, uh, you know, a beautiful lamp with a nice chunky genie inside of it that has so much to bring you. And Ohio's like, only the head can come out with just like a little, one arm, and then we'll just dance around this genie. Michigan was like, all right, we got a bunch of these. Let's get all the genies out. I'll go, 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 go. And now they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of you got to get back in the bottle and we're going to, we're going to redo this. We're going to hold on some of you back in, some of you, some of you only partly out. And so it's like backwards, you know, the, the way that they've handled their programs, they were sort of like all for, you know, everything was a free for all for quite a while there. I mean, not completely. I don't mean to be negating the efforts that they had put forward, but they were much more um, relaxed. Ohio, on the other hand, has been so tightly controlled. It's just, it's, it's been fascinating to watch Michigan try to say, hold on, we want to get back to regulated lab tested product. People need this, you know, we can't control what was going on before. And Ohio saying, oh my God, if you even put a picture of marijuana flower, cannabis flower in your curriculum, I'm going to make you take it out if you want my approval. That's what they did when they reviewed our curriculum. We took out every picture of the cannabis plant. And all I could think was, you're going to be selling this plant and you can't see it before you sell it. That's so strange. But so those are that's just my illustration of the sort of, you know, opposite um, worlds I'm dealing with with my company. So it's a really interesting process to to be in Michigan where they're like, you really training training. You have to have that. And then in Ohio where they're like, oh, your training isn't precise enough or, you know, it's it has things in it that shouldn't be in it or so I don't know. Fear. I really feel like that fear still lingers, lingers for the doctors, you know, who are, who are writing, you know, the, the certified to recommend doctors. I think some of them are anxious about it. And I read an article that said many of them are just not even doing it. They got certified, but they just wanted to kind of know the science and get qualified. They weren't, didn't have really any real intention of engaging with it because it's still an illegal drug on the federal level and they didn't want to. I know somebody who's an educator of medical professionals here in Ohio who, speaks on cannabis actually she's speaking this evening in yellow springs and she and i were speaking on facebook like typing back and forth to each other and she said that she spoke to a group of 300 clinicians in a major city here in ohio 
um, of a that all worked for a huge uh, medical network. You know, like you could say here in Dayton would be Premier or University like of Cincinnati. Or whatever, yeah, 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 or you know something like Tri Health, something like that. So um, three hundred people, and she spoke to all of them. And this is an organization that, that from the top they have said we will not be doing anything with medical cannabis. And she talked about medical cannabis and she said, does anybody have any questions? 300 people, zero crickets. And then as she left the place in the parking lot, she had like 10, 12, 15 people come up to her from different places and be like, I want to talk to you about this. I'm really interested, but I don't want to say in front of them. And she was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And so... It's legal. There are doctors who there's training from the medical board that says you can get trained to do it. I mean, there's there's, you know, permission to be trained. And yet everybody's afraid to even say they're interested. So that's a very different that that's a weird uh, culture. I mean, what a strange position to be in as a medical provider. I don't, I don't know. I don't envy anybody who's trying to figure out how to navigate that as a medical professional. But that's what I love about Leaf Medic is, you know, people have these questions. They want to know how to get into the industry. They want to know how to work in the industry. Mm-hmm. And you know, even for people who've had maybe a grow at home, you know, growing up um, over the years, it's not the same. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's no way to, you know, from a cultivation side of things, yes, okay? If you, you have some knowledge of cultivation and how to grow marijuana, excellent. But I don't think anybody can come into this and say, oh, I know the regulations. Mm-hmm. I know what the laws are. That's, that's the great thing about, you know, organizations like yours is that people want to be in this industry they just don't know where to start and i'm hopeful that as the industry progresses what i sometimes feel powerless about is um well thank you very much for that and i hope i'm hopeful that leaf medic is able to continue to build you know we will build a curriculum we will invite experts to come and speak or provide us with resources to put together a curriculum on any topic for the industry i mean we really just want to be here to be an accessible affordable you know, quality uh, training and education provider to keep this industry going and to keep, like you said, let people enter. What I'd love to see us be able to do is to help people who either had been previously incarcerated in some, in Ohio, we don't have that system in place yet, an expungement process in the way that, but in Michigan, they have the social equity program and they're really working to, um, you know, expunge people's records and then um, what we're hoping to do there is to sort of collaborate with some other nonprofit organizations. We're not nonprofit, but I mean with a nonprofit organization and uh, sort of offer reduced or you know free um, training programs for people who are who had felonies in the past. So that I mean, because to me, I feel like if you're going to change the laws, you have to kind of go back and help some people who got dinged by the laws before, uh, not be quite so set back, you know and and. So I think education can work in that capacity too. It can help people enter and, and feel comfortable, but it can also help people convert other parts of this in terms of the cultural and social impacts, you know, into something more more beneficial. And I am optimistic. I think the place that I feel the most paralyzed is what I was starting to say there was, or a little frozen. I'm not sure what to do to make it better in Ohio. Like meaning, you know, how do I contribute? I, I'm encouraged by people to go to the state house, but I don't know where or when, like, who's going to really listen to me. You know, am I going to speak up at one of those meetings and then they'll just say, okay, that crazy woman was here the last time. I guess I could keep going back, but I, that's a far drive for me. And I'm not sure that that's the best use of my time. So I could go to the state house. And I think I encourage anybody to do that who can, because I think it's hugely beneficial. Um, but then other than that, that doesn't necessarily make patients show up if you go to the state house. So 
what do you do to encourage more participation or I don't know what do you think you know, do you have an idea of what could be done to make our program become more robust and more fully operational and I feel like it kind of goes back to that room full of doctors who we know had questions they were just afraid to ask them mm -hmm. and I do believe that there are people within our own state government who also are asking those same questions who are afraid to come out and ask their bosses, mm -hmm. ask their superiors these questions out of fear of either losing their job mm -hmm. or being looked down upon at work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like the workplace harassment here is real. I, I really do. I think that if there was some type of cannabis industry union here that could help represent workers, who could represent patients, that would go a long way. That'd be amazing. I would um, love that. I'd be totally behind that. <laughs> so I... I see that happening at some point. Um, you know, we, we've had groups like Normal here in Ohio, mm -hmm. and it, you know, we have a long history of controversial uh, marijuana movements here in our mm -hmm. state. But yes, I we think, do. but I think it's time that we have to just put all that down. Yeah. You know, whatever happened in the past is over. Can we just come together as a state, you know, and and move forward with this? Get it legalized. We can argue about all of the other little smaller details yes. later. But until then, you know, people are still facing issues with child protective services yep. still going to jail all that so yeah um well that's wonderful and so if if listeners would like to register for a leaf medic class how can they do that well our website is our web address is mmjtraining.com all lowercase and leaf medic is two words um, we also have an adjunctive website that's michigan.mmjtraining.com for the Michigan clientele. Uh, we kind of split those up so it was easier to read. Um, and then you can go through all the, you know, clicking through the links on the website to, to learn about the packages that are offered and then to, to purchase something. And if you have any questions, though, before you just want to, like, go online and buy something, feel free to reach out to us. There's an email address at the bottom of the homepage, um, or you can email at um, info at mmjtraining.com. Um, and we take PayPal and I think you can use a credit card too through our, um, like our cart system that we have on our website. Um, and so there, the way that it works in Ohio, if somebody wants to take this course, they will be, um, asked to click on a, you know, to read and sign a user agreement. And then I will send them an email with a code uh, that asks them to go to a particular web address, uh, for the Ohio State Board of Career Colleges and Schools. They ask every purchaser of a course to watch a video to be sure that they're informed about the purchase that they're making. And then they click off at the end of the video and it gives me credit for having made sure that my students are not, that they are fully aware that they are spending money on a class. Um, and this is all an effort that the, the board puts together to protect uh, patient uh, student consumers. So other than that, once you go through the, that clicking and all of that, you're good to go. And the way that you take our courses is you would just use your cell phone or your um, laptop or your tablet. Um, there's 10 lessons and each lesson has, I don't know, a number of about 20 topics or so. Um, and they're almost like pages. So, you, you know, you read the page and within each topic, kind of like Wikipedia, there's a lot of hyperlinks to go and read other things if you have an interest in them. Um, but you're not tested on the things that are hyperlinked out. Um, so at the end of each lesson, you have a quiz and you take the quiz for that lesson and you can take it as many times as necessary until you feel like you've mastered that material. And then at the end of all 10 lessons, there is a test that is 50 questions that's made up of, you know, accumulation of the different questions from each um, other lesson. And then you are issued a certificate once you achieve an 80% or better on that test. And then 
that certificate is issued to you by PDF and you can collect it. I think it comes to you in an email or you can get it from the website. So it's a pretty uh, seamless process and it's something that I hope people who live in places that, or somebody who doesn't have a car, um, would be able to still, you know, be able to take this and then use the bus to get to their job working at a dispensary. That would be kind of my dream that um, it allows people uh, who, <laughs> who are uh, in places that they otherwise may not have been able to participate, but um, are able to because of this. That's wonderful. And it's important that listeners understand this is going to really give them a leg up in the industry. Coming into the cannabis industry, regardless of what kind of history you may have had with activism mm -hmm. or with advocacy, this really shows that, that, that you're serious, that you're taking it seriously and want to be a part of this uh, emerging industry. And there's no doubt this is going to help. I hope so. I really do. And I, you know, I encourage anybody who has an interest, uh, even if they don't want to work in a dispensary, I, the training is, is effective for teaching you about the rules and regulations of the program, too, um, because Ohio has they actually have a really organized um, law writer website where all of the, the Ohio revised code is located. And it's not terribly difficult to learn. It's just very dry to read. So we try to make it a little bit more interesting and, uh, you know, engaging. But and I must say, um, I found it very impressive that you had a 100% placement rate um, with your students after graduation and your previous position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, our, I came out of a vocational industry uh, working for the School of Advertising Art at the Modern College of Design where um, their, their emphasis in that program was on student job placement and getting students from, you know, the leaving high school or leaving wherever they started from and into a job. And uh, they were a very, very tailored program. And I learned a lot from being a part of that particular model for education. And I sort of gleaned bits and pieces of it that I loved. The piece I did not love about that model is that um, it was pretty expensive and people had a lot of student loan debt. So I was kind of trying to find a way that people could piggyback on top of things, other degrees they may have or other training or education they had um, to, to bring themselves into the cannabis space. Right. And so your program is four ninety nine, right? Yes. Which is actually very reasonable, um, in, as an industry standard. That is, that's very affordable, and it may sound like a lot of money to people, but again, this is a decision. That if if you want to be in this industry, that's five hundred dollars that you're never going to regret spending. I hope so. I really believe that it's a worthwhile uh, experience, and you know, it's um, something that you can go back to. You don't lose access to the course. You can continue to refer to it over time. So it's a, it's like buying an online textbook that you don't have to give up at the end. So right. Um, and I'm very eager to learn more uh, going forward about the CEUs that you'll be offering to dispensaries because that's. And now, will you also be looking at offering CEUs to say medical marijuana? doctors um so the medical marijuana doctor situation is an interesting one so we partner with kathleen graham a cannabis nurse in michigan and she is she has already been approved for offering ceus of certain types for nurses um through the ohio nursing association i believe and we're working on others for her i help her write some applications and such um and so those CEUs, once we have those produced, they will be able um, to serve in that capacity for clinicians. But doctors, I think, have to train doctors. So the way that that kind of works, even though I have a PhD, I don't have an MD, so I don't think I can educate a doctor with a CEU that they would get credit for, unless if I had an MD. 
So if though there is an MD that's interested in making those kinds of CEUs, I would I, know be, one. I would oh do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to meet them and be interested in collaborating because we have an, a nice delivery mechanism for this and I'm good at writing curriculum. I just can't I wouldn't write that because I'm not an expert in a medical capacity. Does that sure. make sense? Understood. So, yeah. Understood. But but I would definitely be interested in that because I I think that I would love to see medical schools adopt a full cannabis curriculum as a part of one of you know, like you study the the circulatory system or the lymph lymphatic system and then you study the endocannabinoid system because what I've learned about it from the researchers in Israel and all of the stuff that, you know, those of us who are so passionate about this dig and find, you know, is that it regulates everything else on some level. So they need to know it. I mean, I'm not trying to be nasty about that and like pointing a finger. They know so much more about so many other systems in the body, the human body than I do. So I'm not trying to act like I know more than you. I have not been through... Grey's Anatomy, you know, I haven't been through like all that you see on TV and you hear people who have friends who've gone to medical school. So I, I'm not trying to belittle that, but they are practicing medicine without really taking into account a system of our body. And if you really think about that, kind of makes your head blow up. Like, wow, they're ignoring something. Kind of right. like pretending we don't need oxygen or pretending right. we don't have a circulatory system. Right. Like, we're, we're still very much in that don't ask, don't tell space. Yeah. And think about how much farther along we could be with understanding how cannabis impacts things like statins, mm-hmm. NSAIDs, um, other medications. That yes. if, if we could just get that openness out there, I feel like we'd progress. So much. So much. So much. I agree. And anyway, I can be supportive of that or, or helpful. I'd be more than happy to because I really want to see it happen. The doctor that I go to for my recommendation um, was actually my children's, our family doctor for years. Um, and then we, we moved and we sort of lost touch for a little while or didn't, you know, go back to her practice for a bit. But, uh, when I reconnected with her, you know, I had trusted her with so many other aspects of my health for so many years. And I consider her an outstanding physician or, you know, provider of medical care. So I had no problem knowing that she had trained, trained, you know, learned about that. And now I would. And I think anybody who already has a relationship with a recommending doctor, that that is an ideal situation because you already have that patient doctor relationship. You feel like they understand your body as much as any clinician can. And then I don't know, but I just, I don't know if you just go into a random clinic and that doctor should be able to treat everything. I don't know. I feel like it kind of goes back and forth. Right. It, yeah. Well, and, a, if, and if you are a physician listening to this podcast, uh, I'll just throw one out that I know of. Healer.com. Are you, are you familiar with? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sulak? Oh, we include a couple of his uh, links to some of his material in I our love his curriculum. Material. Yeah. I, I think he is a fantastic educator of doctors. I think, you know, of, or of any, anybody really in the industry. But, and I think that he presents his information in a way that is, uh, digestible, intriguing, interesting, not condescending, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I'm a thumbs up for him too. Awesome. So where do you see the Ohio Medical Marijuana Program in five years? Oh my. Ideally, I'm going to play utopian, you know, socialist or whatever, because that's sometimes the space that's in my head. But um, <laughs> and so it, ideally it would be that we had national legalization. And so now there were just all kinds of struggles, state to state, municipality to municipality about what's allowed here. And I've seen this a little taste of this in Michigan, like Pontiac has its own training requirements for anybody who's going to have a like they have their own set of regulations on top of the Michigan regulations. I think that'll happen, you know, so national legalization states will then have their own 
municipalities will have their own and there will be struggles through all of that because somebody will say it's legal nationally and why can't I do whatever I want right now and you know I, I know people are passionate about home grow I have a huge garden or had a huge garden before snow last night um, and I love to grow and I would love to grow my own cannabis um, but I also recognize that Ohio is we're a little bit away from people being allowed just that free-for-all I feel like it's gonna take time for Ohio to get there. Would I like to see in five years that people could grow their own plants? I think that would be amazing. I think that would be awesome. Um, but what I would like to see happen to the medical program, and I want to come back to that, is that I think in any state that, like, okay, so Colorado said anybody can consume, anyone. Um, I would Over hope- the age of 21. Right, thank right. you, thank you. Or, or children through a medical program or whatever. But yes, anyone over the age of 21, I should, I'm sorry, I should have clarified that. So. Once you have that, a lot of times it seems like the medical programs die off because the most money can be made by meeting the recreational slash adult use consumer appetite. What I would like to see in five years is a slow shift in the adult use market to uh, people demanding a more curated experience for their own personal pleasure, not necessarily because they're medical, you know, they have a pain problem, but like... For example, you were talking about the, you know, myrcene, pinene, indica strain, whatever. You know, when we were going around asking for weed in the black market, we'd be like, I need to sleep. Don't give me a sativa. Or so many people, I want to be awake. You know, where's that sativa? So what that's referring to is getting what you want out of your encounter with the plant. And I hope adult use moves that way because the reason why I'm saying that, that will bring medical along with it because when you are getting a lot of reporting and lab lab testing and reporting and then curated products that are like oh this is one that has all of these terpenes that for most people produce sleep or ones that produce alertness um focus pain you know all of the ways that you can do that and i've seen that in some of the adult use states when i've traveled to them well i want to see that continue and then i want to see medical just go alongside it what i'm afraid of is what I kind of think happened in Seattle or in uh, Washington State, which is like they had a great and have a great medical program with a lot of research. Their online training program is what Leaf Medic is the most modeled after. It was we took everything we could find everywhere, like literally paid thousands of dollars worth of taking so many different online classes yeah. to kind of just do the market research and find out who else you know who else is doing what. And that one was really good. Uh, Marijuana four one one or MMJ four one one or something like that is what it's called in uh, Washington State, and so. They have a great, had a great training program, but uh, from what I've read, I think that the adult use market just made it so that nobody really wanted to produce a lot of the stuff that was tailored to that medical crowd. Well, that same stuff is what lets you work during the day and not be too high, if you get what I'm trying to say. So, like, we need all these new cultivars or chemivars or strains or varieties that were introduced because of medicine or brought back because of medicine um, to stay. I don't want to see them all go away that every time you go into any place, all you can get is like the highest THC thing imaginable. And that's it. Because that's not all that cannabis is. I wouldn't mind seeing a, a situation similar to Colorado mm -hmm. where dispensaries once, if, I'm not going to say if, but when, recreational marijuana sure. passes here in Ohio, um, most dispensaries, you know, be in a position to just put a partition up. Yep. And, and the waiting area, call this side medical, call this side recreational. I think that medical patients are going to be pleasantly surprised at how much 
lower the cost yes. of their medicine will Absolutely. be as compared to the recreational patients and Not, I, or the recreational users. Yes, I agree. And I think, I think there's so many aspects of that, that, and I, and spilling over the other direction, the recreational users can do a lot with their own experience that is more tailored and curated because of all of the sort of isolating of things that was done for medical patients, you know, like for, for epilepsy, I, um, well, I could be, I could be mis- misrepresenting that one, but you know, there are some conditions like Crohn's, for example, where uh, very high THC products um, that you can put into an edible and get down into your intestinal tract is very helpful, for example. So we don't really know about that before anybody was playing around with that medically. Nobody did that recreationally other than, you know, making some bang up space cakes or something. Right. But now we understand how that works more. Do you know what I'm trying to sure. say? As opposed to just like, my husband tells his story of getting on a ferry to go from Amsterdam. I can't remember where he was going from where to where, but he was taking a boat, leaving Holland. He had bought two space cakes, ate one, felt nothing, was like, oh, this is junk. I got a junk one. So he ate the other one. And then he's like halfway out and, you know, in the middle of the ocean on his way. It might've been from England to Ireland that he had taken. I don't remember how it was because I'm thinking he got that in Amsterdam. But he's in the middle of the ocean and he's like, oh my God, I'm so fucked up. All I can do is just sit in this chair and not move the rest of the time. I'm totally not functional. You know, that that's the way people experienced it before. So because of us studying for patients, then you could not be that way. You could know that you're getting the exact right amount and you're going to be able to figure that out. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, going back to Leaf Medic, you guys aren't looking for investors, are you? Well, not in particular because what we really, I don't know, we could be if we would talk to somebody who has an idea uh, or we could share some ideas we have with them and they would really like to, to see it happen. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, for the most part, we've been a real low budget operation and trying to kind of um, penetrate the, the existing marketplace, but we definitely could use some some help with promotion and, and sales and marketing type of stuff. And so that would definitely lend itself to, to investment. So, you know, being of help to us in that capacity. So if there's one thing that the Ohio medical marijuana control program could do at this point to earn a gold star from you, what would that be? One thing. So what I think that they could do, and I think about their role in this situation, I think they could be more, positive open and like play better PR with it and come out and encourage people to participate invite in a very welcoming warm way people to come forward with ideas for new conditions and charge people with an exciting amount of like presentation of data that comes from Israel or wherever they can find it as opposed to I feel like that whole attitude could just, if it just shifted, as opposed to saying we're trying to regulate the regulations and keep everything under control and everything's scary and everything's fearful. Instead say, look at what we have. We have the opportunity now to help all of these patients and let us be the heroes who do it safely, do it with proper controls. But, you know, I just, if they would just take it on as like a positive project of theirs rather than this damn horrible legalization of a scary drug that we have to deal with. Yeah. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the vibe that they're, right. they have. And I want them to just shift that because there's so many things that could happen if they changed their perspective, which was 
we get to bring this to the people. Yeah. We will I, be the heroes to the people. Mm -hmm. And I saw someone the other day mention, you know, if we could just take the control out of the OMMCP. <laughs> yeah. There. That would be it. Call, just call it the OMMP and move forward. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and allow some patient input, as you mentioned. Yes. Make the petition process to add qualifying conditions not as labor intensive. Um, Invite people to say, if you have this condition and you think marijuana would be great as an option, come show up. Do you know how many people would show up with the different conditions? I guarantee you they would. But that's not what they ask. You know, they want medical professionals to come in and tell them why all these people are crazy and want to just use bad things on their bodies. Do you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of saying like, I don't know. You, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the proper language to use to explain what I'm trying to say because it's one of those not very tangible things like... But as you said, change, and I, it's not even that I don't want them to control entirely in that, and here's me, I always sort of self-identify as an anarchist in a lot of ways. I think humans should be able to manage or a libertarian, you know, like we should be able to control our own. But in a situation where people are buying and selling things, people always behave duplicitously. It always happens. It's just what humans do. I hate to say it, but we do. So I like the idea of there being clean medicine. I like the idea of knowing that it's past um, inspection and nobody's put anything creepy in it. That's about all I got, Karen. Thank you. Um, I appreciate so, it. One more time, um, if listeners are interested in signing up for a course with Leaf Medic, can you tell them how to do that? Sure. Uh, just go to mmjtraining, T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G.com, and uh, on our website, you can see all of the description of the different products we have, and we have a shopping cart uh, service there on the website for you to be able to purchase the course um, through our website. And if you have any questions about that or if you're just concerned about exactly what it entails or how it works, feel free to reach out by email or phone. Both of those contact, uh, points of contact are at the bottom of our homepage. But our, e our my email address is karen, K-A-R-E-N, at mmjtraining.com. And I would be happy to answer any questions you have or help you out if you have an interest. Wonderful. And I think it's very important for listeners to also understand that as we go forward, if and when marijuana is legalized mm -hmm. recreationally, much of this same same training is still going to have to be absolutely uh, obtained. Yep, absolutely. There will still be rules and regulations as I was we were talking about, you know, even if it's federally legal, there will be criteria for its legality federally. You know, they're not just going to go and that's it. Everybody dig in. So yeah, uh, it absolutely, and we will we will continue to modify it as the laws change so that it accommodates the needs of the, the cannabis community as, as it evolves. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you do yeah, thank you. for this industry. And thanks again for having me here at your house. And thank interview. you for inviting me to participate. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Karen Korn and Leaf Medic for all they do in helping advance Ohio's medical marijuana program through state-approved certifications that can prepare you to join this new and exciting industry. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the National Cannabis Network, please reach out at nationalcannabisnetworkpodcast at gmail.com. That's today's show. Until next time, stay green, friends.